There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has, bless him, just opened his eyes. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I uh, I slept through my alarm a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not too bad. It's not too bad, um, but I had my first big push day back at the gym yesterday Ooh. i am i am so sore this early afternoon <laughs> any any particular uh, area well chest so so um yeah push days is chest shoulders um oh, I triceps see. yeah i can tell i can't don't, you can tell i don't go yeah. to the gym can't you <laughs> that's fine well that's you know that's good for the other listeners who, mm. who don't know who are skinny little runs like me as well so i i'd already done um a couple of back days but i don't tend to get much soreness from that okay but but your big front muscles they mm. uh they heave for a few days now <laughs> i need feel- to ask then what what did you think a push day was windy oh, like he's pushing himself at the gym uh, <laughs> yeah no that makes sense that i i respect that i i like i because i know nathan's got has had lots of injuries so i kind of thought he meant yeah. that he'd like eased himself back in and then yeah. well kind of yeah. yeah at the same time that's true good for you good for you mate how are you buddy um, not too bad, thanks. I, I want to give a little shout out to Graham, who I bumped into at the at the stadium on on Saturday. Very very nice man, and him and his wife are avid listeners of the Extra Inch, are both huge fans of of this podcast. So hello, Graham, and hello your wife. And just to let you know, he didn't tell me your name, so you have to be referred to as Graham's wife at this moment. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, I also want to say that I appreciate um, Jordan. I'm going to say Movish, but it could be Movish. Um, thank you, Jordan, for the very nice email. That was, um, yeah, really, really good of you. Um, let's get stuck in. Let's get stuck into two Spurs games. I don't know how much we're going to actually remember of the West Ham game, uh, or maybe we've chosen to forget the West Ham game. But uh, yes. we'll start off with Fulham as it's the the most recent. Um, and we will start off with the team selection. And there was a little bit of interest this time around. Um, Buddy, Clement Longley. 
it, it was really nice to see him and get a proper idea about what kind of player he was. So yeah, it made it immediately interesting. It was also good to see Sessignon back. I liked, I did like that rotation. And of course, Richarlison yeah. starting is something that we've all been kind of chasing for. But to see him in for Kulusevski was, was a surprise. A, a disappointment, in my opinion, because I think that um, I think that's a really unbalanced front three, especially compared to when you have Kulusevski in the team. Um, and and you know we've all spoken on Son's form, and so has Conte, um, and we've all spoken about the need for Kane to rest, and so has Conte, and here he is starting for Kulusevski. And I thought that the lack of Kulusevski did show um, somewhat in the yeah. first half. Um, the other thing is that Bentenko was back from from his concussion and, and looked pretty sharp and with it and well, which is really good. You know, because we we cancelled um, Pat Matasar's loan yeah. because of his concussion, um, but he's he he looks good, he looks he looks healthy, which is really good. I thought, and of course, really- Romero as well. Mm, yeah, I thought Bentenko. It was really nice to have him back. It's we'll touch on West Ham, but it was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's kind of what he does, and that's how important he is to us. Yeah, this was a this was a much more enjoyable performance from Spurs. This game, I mean, obviously the scoreline doesn't quite reflect the dominance. Uh, There's a few sort of VAR moments as well, um, but I thought this was a more cohesive performance, uh, a more fluent performance. The chance creation was there, and even as Nathan says, without Kulusevski, uh, I, I felt like we actually looked a, a decent team again and it was nice to see um, I would say massively helped by our ability to play out from the back on both sides um, Longley and Romero obviously our two best ball playing centre backs and I felt that that really showed yeah I have to say I was very impressed with Longley on the ball he wasn't really tested much defensively down that left hand side but on the ball he was great nice couple of turns some really nice weighted through balls to, to Sessignon and especially in the second half where the game kind of opened up, you could see just how good he was. It was it was nice to see him. He did kind of fall over his feet at one point yeah. and he looked a little bit clumsy, but much, much better than, than I expected. Yeah. And I think as a result of the the ability to access midfield for the first time consistently this season, I, I felt our central midfields pairing were really, really on it as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this to wind Bardi up, um, I'm genuinely not. I mean this. I think Hjoibier has been our best player this season so far. And I thought he, <laughs> he continued his, his excellent form with his second goal of the season. It was a good goal. It, it, it was a really good goal, wasn't it? Lovely yeah. move. Lovely yeah. move. Yeah. And Nathan, you don't, you don't help me. You don't help me. <laughs> <laughs> me I mean, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm honestly not winding up. I'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm speaking totally genuinely. I, like, I, we had a conversation in, in the Fighting Cock WhatsApp group the other day. And I said, for me, Hjoibier is fifth on the team sheet. Like He's our fifth most important player. I agree with that. He's our fifth or sixth most important. But there's that's like halfway. He's like the middle point. He's like the half. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is fair enough. I agree. But on, f- but on form, I really do think he's been out. Mm. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of underperformance. That's that's probably why. But I've, I really feel like he's been he's been so solid so far this season. And the ability to get into the box has been a nice addition. Like, he, he's, he's always broken forward. He's, he's always called the odd goal. But... Two goals already is pretty good going. I, d- I really don't want to spend too much time talking about him because yeah. I, I get told off a lot by people. Um, I thought he was fine for, for the majority of the first half. He misplaced a few passes. He slowed us down in transition here and there. Uh, but he scored a great goal. 
I think he was helped massively by by how Fulham played. He had lots of time to pick his passes and, and do what he do what he can do. And I thought Bentanko next to him really helped him out. And I did promise Namsi that Hjoibje um, is how I'll pronounce his name from from now on. But it, it was a lovely goal, a lovely finish. Mm. Something occurred to me when we were making that video, and you mentioned how you were pronouncing his name wrong and, and putting the G in the end of his name. Um, there is a Premier League winning golden boot winning player whose name is Mohamed Salah and everyone everyone says his name wrong so I guess you know don't feel too bad about any mispronunciations we make yeah. on this pod yeah yeah everyone just goes for Mo Mo Salah yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan anything um tactically interesting about this performance against Fulham for you um there was Dyer moving up out of possession yeah. a little bit yeah um I wonder if that's something we'll see more of. I wonder if that's something we're working on um, as a solution to sort of man-to-man marking in sort of early phases of possession. I'm not sure. I want to. I want to get more of an eye on that. Um, to see and see if that comes up again, or whether that was just a one-off. Mm. Outside of that, not not much. Oh, there was a really good observation actually by Mac, um, which is that um, yeah, when when we. When we are looking to extend the scoreline, we will sit back and invite the opponents onto us. Mm. Um, but once we once we were trying to protect a lead against Fulham, that's when we started to press high. I think that's really interesting. I mean, it, it, in some ways it's counterintuitive, but it also makes complete sense, right? Because to to sit as far back as we do um, is a is a risk in a lot of ways, a risk that we're taking in order to open up the space in behind. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we want to control the game, we will go to the opponent and uh, and and affect their ability to to build their own play. I I also really liked that observation. And um, last week, or in the last the last few days, I, I should say, there have been a lot of people saying, you know, why is Conte's Tottenham so different to Mourinho's Tottenham you know it's it's all seems the same we're just sitting back and I think Max's observation crystallizes for me the key difference that actually Mourinho would sit back and sit back and sit back until we ended up conceding um, Conte's sitting back for for different tactical reasons he's trying to draw out the opposition to then counter in behind them into the space that that creates um, whereas Mourinho was literally shutting up trying to shut up shop and just leave a couple of players forward um, so I think that's the that's the key difference between the two. That said, I really now we've seen a, a dominant performance, a possession dominated dominant yeah. performance. I think we'll start to see more of it now. I felt like the players really clicked into gear in, in, in this game. There was a there's a certain sharpness. Um, I mean, I really think it was it was well supported by the fantastic pressing of Richarlison, who is. Absolutely relentless, and also the returning Bentancur. I think pressing is one of his absolute key skill sets. He's such a good presser. Uh, so those two really, really helped get us in the front foot more. I, I felt. Our next game is against Marseille. I recorded a preview on Friday, which I still haven't edited yet, and I will try my best to get up um, probably tomorrow. <laughs> yes, um, I prescribe low block and counter for that game for reasons that will be clear in that video. But outside of that, I mm-hmm. I, I I long for more games like like the Fulham one. Yeah, I mean, we might have two games of low block and counter given the next game in the league is Man City. <laughs> Fair enough. I got a question because in the state, I wanted to know how the 
the TV commentators coped with the um, the time wasting from Fulham because it, within the ground it was it was abysmal. I don't think I've seen time wasting on that scale from multiple individuals for some time. Obviously, Ben Foster's a famous one that he he's even spoken about it how he wasted time. But I, Fulham did it across the park. What did the TV commentator say about that? Was it even brought up? No, not, not as far as we're aware. We, we obviously we saw the yellow card for the um, the defender who Tete, um, I think it was Tete who took who took three run ups at uh, <laughs> yeah. kick off. Yeah, so that was noticeable. But this is this is a thing that TV um, coverage does direct when time wasting is happening. They're they're talking about someone on the bench. They're doing the close up of a player. They're showing someone in the stands. Um, and not showing what's happening on the pitch, and so yeah, you don't you don't notice it so much, and I think that's a problem, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's something that it happens, but I've never seen it on that scale. It was it was pretty bad. I think they killed. It, we got eight minutes, but I think they probably killed about ten minutes in that in that one period of time. Mm. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, we got a question from Adamalist who says, "What are your thoughts on the Fulham break for their goal?" Um, he, he adds the commentator mentioned Romero's weak tackle on Mitrovic but I thought he did fine my pet peeve is players in the midfield line not sprinting back to engage the ball if the centre-backs hold up the attacker and I would say that um, Romero had just done a massive sprint back and was on his first game back after an absence so that I suspect is why he gave such a sort of okay. tired looking challenge uh, it wasn't a good challenge from Romero uh, no. but Mitrovic is a good player and it was a very neat sort of chop and shot it was just, a, I, I thought it was a really good goal. He's a menace, I mean, Trevich is, you know. I I, I just think, um, like, the scoreline really undermines how much we batted Fulham in that game. Like, yeah. We, we we damaged their goal <laughs> with, with concussive blows, right? Um, I, I, I'm not concerned about anything in that performance at all, really. So the XG has us at 2.68 versus 0.38 and... Uh, like that feels about right to me. Like basically three, yeah, three, I... three nil. Basically, you know, with a bit of rounding. Yeah, I think Dyer should have scored uh, his chance in the second half, and Richarlison's volley was was a lovely team move, and it was real shame that didn't go in. Oh, what a hit that was! Mm. That would have been some first goal, wouldn't it? His um his celebration for the disallowed goal was brilliant. That it was right below me. It was great to watch. He, I thought, had a very impressive game. Um. I've already mentioned his pressing. I think his pressing mm. is fantastic. He he's like Nathan's just used the word menace to describe Mitrovic. Richarlison is a menace in a different way. Yeah. He, you know, you, yeah. you don't get a, a minute's rest with him. Um and also, you know, with the gamesmanship as well, you have to be really careful around him because he's gonna get you booked and then he's gonna get you sent off. Um but his quality was was really decent as well. There's some lovely touches, some one touch layoffs, some nice passes. I think he's just a really, really strong player I'm, I'm just i'm very happy we've got him i think mm. he's a great option for us he's still not quite there he's still a little bit off it in terms of understanding sun's runs or maybe that sun just doing the incorrect run because there's a few times he could have slipped either kane or sunny through but i mean he's got just a couple of assists now already and um he's he's um he's a fantastic fourth forward to have mm. not not the first person to say this but he is quite a bit like if eric lamella was as good as he probably should have been that's an interesting point. Yeah, a, a right-footed Lamella. Yeah, yeah. And um, what did you make of Son in this game? Better. I thought the ball buzz wasn't bouncing off him as much. He was a danger. He could see he was snatching a little bit. 
still. Um, but he appreciated the fans. He the fans gave him a really strong reception. And normally for for play, certain players anyway, if you go four or five games without a goal and you're a little bit out of form, there can be a little bit of kind of distrust or a little bit of complaints from the crowd. But they were really good with him, and um, it it will come. I I think he'll probably score against Marseille and then go on a nice little run. Plus, it's City next, and man loves City. Uh, four shots for 0.6 expected goals and um, I can't find key passes all of a sudden but 0.5 expected assists you know that it's, it's going to come yeah it's, it is a matter of time with Son uh, he, he looked like he was sort of growing in confidence in this game I felt uh, pity he couldn't get off the mark I would like to see him kind of end the short corner routine though I think yeah. I think I've had it. We've, well we scored a couple of corners from like just whacking it straight in there there's a little bit more behind it but I wasn't a fan of the short corner routine. We had Just. a whole bunch of shots from set pieces from this game. I'm going to look quickly, see if I can find. Um, oh, it's not going to tell us, I don't think. I think, I think we had like nine shots from set pieces in this game. Mm-hmm. I uh, I couldn't be less worried about our attacking set piece threat. I think we... I quite like the variety, to be honest. And the variety is, is strong, yeah. Yeah, Um. so before we move on to talk about the transfer window and also the West Ham game, um, I think the last sort of player performance that's, that's worth a discussion because it was quite divisive was um, Sezignon. I came away from this game, particularly the first half, thinking... Cess was an absolute driving force for us. Like a lot of our um, our threat came from the left. I felt um, a lot of our thrusts came from the left. Uh, he's really. I mean, the, the work he's done physically over the summer. He's enormous now. He's a hu- he's a huge guy, and he's an absolute tank when he races down that side. Um, the end product absolutely wasn't always there. There was there were some scuffed crosses. There were some um, crosses that didn't get past the first man. There were some loose touches. But I was really impressed with with what he achieved on that side. It was basically just kind of give him the ball and, and let him get up the pitch, or give him the ball once he's up the pitch. Uh, and, and I liked that a lot. I, I really thought I thought he was good. I tweeted about it, and people were like, "Cessnyol's awful. What like what are you seeing here?" What and I got a couple of um, WhatsApps from friends as well um, saying, "You know, is everything go- is everything all right with Cess? Do you think?" Um, what did you guys think of his performance? I around me, I think it's it's very mixed. It's very fifty fifty. So I can imagine, I can understand why you got those comments. There was op- moments and opportunities where he, perhaps he overhit the ball, uh, especially down the line to Sun. That pass was on pretty much the whole game. He did get in certain areas and perhaps didn't deliver. But it, it's weird. Both our fullbacks are kind of judged on this imaginary, like like you when you split up with um, you split up with your girlfriend and everything gets judged. Your future girlfriend, everything gets compared to the ex one. Or you get in, your dog dies and your new dog, you're always comparing your, your new dog to your old dog. And it's just this kind of visionary figure that doesn't exist. And we're comparing this incredible fullback, wingback that never exists and then take and then complaining about what we currently have. I think Sessignon is a good left wingback who does a lot of, a hell of a lot of things right. He doesn't do what everything. He's not the complete fullback. He's not, I can't even think, he's not Philip Lahm, but he's a really good player who had really good mm. moments. And he's a, he's a great squad rotation option. He's brilliant. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at his XG chain. I know Nathan's not a huge fan of XG no. chain, but uh, he it puts him seconds behind Harry Kane, just uh, and then ahead of Son, and then Longley actually comes fourth, quite a bit behind. The um, positions he gets himself in are incredible, and I think just give him a bit of time. He's not yeah. starting every week. Just give him time, and something will come. He just needs to stay fit. 
I love this season for him. I think it's it's so good that he's got Perisic there to learn from. There's going to be plenty of rotation. Conte's already shown that he's happy to rotate and make subs. And and that, I think, is is wonderful for Perisic at this stage of his career and wonderful for Session at this stage of his career. I, I, I'm shots. delighted. Yeah. He had yeah. six shots in that game, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, that is what that, Conte wants. Yeah, maybe maybe people found that he was wasteful in that game. That's and, it. and that's frustrating. Um, but I am definitely much more optimistic when I see a wingback as six shots because mm. he's not. Those aren't like him spamming hopeful balls from from way out because there's nothing else on. Those are him getting into good positions. So um, and then yeah, I can understand frustrations with, with wastefulness, but he's 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 good. Um, I'm, and the fact that he is he's second choice now, and and that's fine, right? That's that's good to have a player as good as him be second choice. Um, wing back really puts right wing back to shame to be honest especially yeah. when you consider you've got Destiny Udogi who's doing some great things in Italy and really mm, looks yeah. like he's he's stepping up it's it's a our left wing back could be that whole position could be sewed up for the next seven years yeah it's really exciting really happy with it um, so let's talk a little about the transfer window were you surprised that we didn't do any final business I want Enoch out done I'm <laughs> done with this club Melting my season ticket. It's, well, I can't even melt it anymore. It's now digital. I'm going to melt my phone just to melt my season ticket. It's <laughs> it's horrible. I hate this club. <laughs> Any disappointment from you, Nathan? It's, I feel like it's a little hard to follow that up with genuine. <laughs> <laughs> it, I saw... Oh. Um, I don't, you don't often see common sense on Twitter, but there was something some somebody said. I don't know who said it, so I apologise. But had we signed Richarlison, Bissouma and Perisic on the final day of the transfer window, everybody would be dancing in the streets going, oh my God, yeah. that's intent, that's purpose, that's Tottenham moving with meaning. But because we did it in June and July, it's, it doesn't seem to count anymore. What I don't understand that. It's, it was, it's a good transfer window. It's not perfect, but it's good. Yeah, I thought it was a good window. I, I we got good business done early mm-hmm. for sure. Um, those three players you mentioned we brought in have already affected the quality of the first eleven and and the, and the squad at the same time. Um, I thought that one or two more signings of a not dissimilar quality would have made this a really really strong window. And I think that we're going to talk about West Ham in a little bit. You can see where there are deficiencies remaining. That Conte says, "Look, it's going to take two or three windows." Yeah, to get all this done, as if to say you can't do this all in one go. Um, I'm less convinced by that. I think that you can do that much business in a, in a window when you have an existing stability in the squad already. I think we could have done more. I think that there were more options for us. Um, not to the extent where I'm I'm Enoch out or I'm kicking up a fuss. I just think I just think um, it's really hard not to do this without talking about the West Ham game. To be in a situation where Davins and Sanchez and Emerson Royale are on the pitch together and teams are setting up specifically around that. That that is a problem that we should have left behind by now. That's my frustration. Seriously, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I do think that problem happens because there's just no market out there. You, you know, Manchester United have spent more than two countries have spent. There's just no money involved, and it would have <coughs> sorry, it would have probably been um, loaning Sanchez somewhere else, and that just wouldn't help us. We've got so many players out on loan that we just can't find buyers for. That I agree that needed to be addressed, but I just don't think it was possible. I I mean, I guess. <clears throat> Like, I'm not unhappy with the transfer window because I, I really like uh, pretty much like all the players we brought in. I'm, I'm pretty happy with all of them. Um, I would really have liked a, a, a right centre-back who's a different type of player to Sanchez. 
And I think like I am so up on Spence. I think Spence is a fantastic right wing back, but it's pretty clear that Conte sees him as one for the future and not one for now. Uh, and yeah. and that being the case, I think we should assign the right wing back because I, I think to upgrade Emerson, Royale or Matt Doherty is, is not difficult to do. Honestly, I really don't think it's difficult to do. And, you know, if, if we'd upgraded that position and had been in a position where we had a really good first choice right wing back of uh, sort of Perisic levels and then Emerson Royale is the backup and Spence and then you got Spence as a third choice. That's really good. That's that's proper depth. That would be really exciting. Um, but I think we can do business in January. I think, you know, do it slightly incrementally. Um, we, we saw what an impact a couple of signings coming in last January had. Hopefully we can do the same thing again. And I think also by then Spence might have actually made a bit more of a, a claim for his own spot in the team because he'll have to get some minutes at some point, probably in the cups. And I suspect he would impress because he's a really good player. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not unhappy. I think that we could have done more. I think those two positions are still our biggest two weaknesses, but we've got a really good team. We've got a really good squad. We should be fine. Pre- I mean, I'm confident, very confident of top four minimum, but I'm actually thinking we can we can push for second. It does help that we are a club who do business in January now, and and that window is t- like twelve league games away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's 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 a madness, isn't it? It's it's going to fly by, um, and then you've got plenty of games left to see the benefit from new signings in January. Yeah, should we do um, should we do West Ham? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's do some West Ham. Um, hmm. Okay, well, let's start with this. Let's start with this from Kersey Spurs. I know the Davinson can't pass receive the ball under pressure thing is a well-trodden path for conversation, but given that every bloke and his dog now thinks this is a major weakness, why did it feel like Lloris and Dyer consistently went to the right in their attempts to start ball progression against West Ham? Was it just me, or did 75% plus of our play out from the back go to Dav? Do they trust him more than Ben Davis? Nathan, is this simply well, because they targeted him? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, but the, the simple answer is that West Ham's set up with a sort of wonky front line where... Um, Jared Bowen was right out to Davies every time the ball was near him, forcing him backwards, cutting off the pass. Um, the the right back was on Perisic the whole match. Um, the to in order to force Davies to pass back immediately and not have an effect on the play. Um, a few times Davies managed to shift it onto his right in front of midfielder, mm. and that was good work from him to do that under pressure. Um, 
but but mainly um, he was forced backwards and then they gave Davinson time to receive the ball mm-hmm. so that they could then shuttle over there and, and look to to turn him over and force him into Royale and cut off the pass to him from Royale and, and get them there. So uh, it's not the first time we've seen it. It's not the first time we've seen it with this exact setup. It's not the first time we've seen it in Davinson's career, quite famously. Um, teams know that if we're going to bring Davinson and Emerson Royale onto the pitch together, that they can deliberately set up um, to, to exploit that. And that's exactly what they did. And that's the story of the game. Yeah, I do think sometimes we put Dave in an almost impossible situation where giving him the ball in that area and there's just no way out for him. I think our midfield needed to be braver. I think they needed to come look for it. I thought Basuma and, and Shoiba had terrible games for, for the most part. And I think a lot of responsibility falls on those two. They need to go and help them out. Um, I would, I think if we're going to persist with this, because we have to occasionally, I would like us to see play uh, a 3-5-2, put another midfielder in there to kind of give us an option to pass out of defence. I think you could even put a midfielder in the back line, to be honest. I think it's worth taking the hit defensively to have the <laughs> extra ball playing but ability. Who, who would you put in the back line? Like, pick, take your pick. Like skip or Hjoibia. I'd be up for them playing right centre-back over Sanchez. I mean, I, I think what was interesting in the second half was that... <laughs> do you remember when... Um, Again, I, I mean, you just got to... I can just imagine the reaction of across Coy's Twitter with, um, with Skip lining up in the back three. No, 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 no. Skip I can't see, but I I think Hjoibia right centre-back is not the most outlandish thing I've ever Honestly, heard. like... Potter would do that at Brighton, hundred percent. You know, it, like play, play, playing out from the back is is absolutely, absolutely crucial to our play. It's a, you think like Choi Bear is Mascherano, Mascherano. Is this what you think? Is this what you, the impression that you two have got in your head that he could actually fill that role? No, this this is a this is a nightmare. I, it's it would be like Jordan Henderson in a in a defensive line. No, no, I I never want to see this. I hope I hope I never see it. Wendy's wearing is what would Potter do wrist bracelet hmm. yeah yeah um in the second half what was really noticeable was emerson royale dropped 10 15 yards deeper to sort of help sanchez get out easier like to try and hmm. give him an out ball so kind of what bardi was saying that he wanted the midfielders to do that's that's the role that emerson royale took on in the second half the problem with that is then he's receiving the ball a lot deeper and he's got nothing to pass to so it, it just didn't really help us either way um we should talk about basuma you know like i i think a lot of people expected him to come in and hit the ground running and be first choice. And he is a long way off understanding the patterns under Conte. That was a really, really poor performance from him. Not helped by the fact that he chucked the ball into the ground in descent and got booked, which meant he had to sort of play slightly tentatively for the best part of 80 minutes. Um, I was very glad when Benton Cole was back for the for the Fulham game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, West Ham are an absolute misery. They they scorch the ground just to stop anything from happening. And they just rely on, I don't know, it, I, I, I can't stand watching West Ham. They they wind me up in, the, in how they play. And we just seem to keep, especially at their ground, we just fall into these traps. And um, it did it did feel like almost Mourinho days there where we just allowed, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just allowed West Ham. To, we, just, we just started playing football on a turnip field and it was just <laughs> awful to watch. And, and did you notice the sort of nervousness of playing out from the back that started with Sanchez then spread? And we had, you know, even Perisic was making mistakes playing out from the back. And Lloris was, was doing like some crazy things as well, um, which was really, really unhelpful. Um, in hindsight, maybe Longley should have played that game um, just as a sort of a better 
passing option on, on the left side of defence, maybe. But I don't know. I just I just think we need Romero to be fit as much as possible this season because he's so critical. Bissouma, um, he in the, his season for Brighton last season, playing as number six, he played the ball backwards between the centre backs a lot. Um, partly because that is sort of Brighton's uh, mode of doing things, is shifting things from one wide centre back to the other, and then looking to to play diagonal balls from there. Um, but this is kind of yeah, I, I tweeted about this and got some pushback. But his his passing is quite limited. Conte says that he you know he needs more time and he's still on the system. And mm-hmm. I do think that he was definitely hampered by the players that were around him yeah. uh, on the right side of the pitch. Yeah, but um, I thought that he would. I thought that he would pick things up quicker. I thought that he would he would learn the system pick quicker. Really, only Benton Kerr is, is is the only player to have really <laughs> hit it running in, in that sense. To be honest, um, yeah, a little a little disappointing there. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think once Skip is fully fit, then for me, he's t- at least temporarily ahead of Basuma in the pecking order. It has has to be ahead of Basuma in the pecking order simply because he understands the system and the, its requirements. Um, more. But actually, I'm really, it's really nice to have Skip back, and I'm really excited to see him on the field for us again because it's felt like a long time since we've seen him play um, in a midfield um, in a league game, at least. Um, anything else we want to say about the West Ham game? I thought it was a bad idea to celebrate Hugo's 10-year anniversary before the game. I, I just hmm. always, I always get nervous about this kind of stuff. Hugo has been an incredible servant who's done made some incredible saves and even made some incredible saves against Fulham. But I always get funny when we start looking back and reflecting on someone's service just before we play a game. And it, that kick out was something we'd seen repeat repeated ten yeah. <laughs> like many times over the 10 years. And it was just unfortunate for him. Uh, worth mentioning late subs very well, late sub was it one sub we used in that game I forget uh, but it was very late like Richarlison came on so late and I don't know I, I think Conte's risk aversion does hamper him and us sometimes you know he's he he, he likes to he he wants he wanted to win the game by a, a, the odd goal in a, in a very close match basically. Um, whereas on paper we're a lot better than West Ham. I really do think we're a lot better than West Ham. And I think that if he'd been a little bit bolder, then perhaps he could have got us over the line. We've seen this repeatedly from him. He doesn't want to use his subs to change the game. He thinks the best chance of changing the game is very often yeah. with the players he started with, and it's only once the result has turned that he'll use subs to rest players. Yeah. Yeah, so he made one sub, 76 minutes, um, Richarlison for Kulusevski. Uh, it's, it's odd, isn't it, to only use one sub when you've got five at your disposal? I don't know. Something to keep an eye on, I think. I mean, it's not that that result really was not the end of the world. One all the way at West Ham is is fine. They're not, they're not terrible. They're you know they've, they've had a very consistent team for a number of years. They understand each other well. Um, it's not it's it's really not something to to throw your toys out the pram about. But no, not just all. a little disappointing in context. West Ham will stodge up a lot of a lot of games against sure. against better opposition. They they almost did it to Chelsea, and they'll continue to. To play their kind of football. It's not very West Ham way, but that's that's what you get with Moyes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Alex C says, Why is our pace of passing slow compared to other team top teams in possession? This season I've watched quite a bit of the other top six teams as well as Brighton, and one thing I've noticed clearly is the pace at which those teams build up and pass when they're controlling the game in possession. Personally, I prefer to see the quick, nibble passes as it's more aesthetically pleasing to watch. Nathan, uh, can you give us a sort of tactical breakdown of why you think we're a little bit plodding in possession? Um, yeah, basically we're trying to invite the opposition onto us. 
Um, we're trying to bait them with how long we're we're taking on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to pretend that we don't have an option when we do to draw them out, um, so that we can then accelerate our passing afterwards. And you, and you will see that is once we get into the midfield line and beyond, suddenly it, it's zipped and it's fast, and Kulusevski's on a sprint and Sun's in behind and Kane's turning fast and all of that kind of stuff. You'll see that. But yeah, that is um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a mind game there, trying to trying to bring the opposition onto us, trying to pass backwards and and use the keeper and and plot around a bit to make ourselves look vulnerable. But then there is a point, and we saw this against Fulham certainly, where once we've broken the lines, the passing suddenly gets really fast, yeah. dynamic. You know, it goes forward quickly when it goes forward. But you're right when we're knocking it around at the back. Into midfield, back to the back line, back across the back line, into midfield again, back across the back line, you know, sometimes dropping onto our own um, goal line. Yeah. Um, that's all happening at quite a slow pace. I noticed actually in the West Ham game that we did try a few more diagonals. Um, and that's one of that's one of the Conte automations is to, you know, play around the back line, and then get one of the wing backs high and hit a diagonal. Um, but we've it's not something we've seen a great deal of this season so far. So I expect that that's something we could perhaps expect to see more of over the coming weeks. Um, Bardi, how do you feel about our passing? Yeah, it's like what Nathan says. It's slow, slow, quick, quick. We wait for the other team to come looking for the ball and try and get through. It's not, it's, it is, it's a style it's, and it's a st- stylistic choice of what we do. We can play a bit faster. I would like to see us but do that. But I do think we, we are a team built to, to counter and to, to slow it down and play quick. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think when when we had the sort of long spells of sustained possession against Fulham, we were knocking it around pretty quickly. There was there were plenty of options, and Fulham were kind of camped at various points, and uh, and we were playing we were playing some really nice football. It's more when we're we're sort of sounding the other team out and trying to tempt them forward that it does get remarkably slow. But yeah, I completely agree that that is very much by design and not something that the fans need to start moaning and groaning about, which they do have a tendency to do at Spurs especially when passes go backwards. Um, I just want to acknowledge we had a question from Sean Burke, and I think we've kind of covered covered the answer to that question, Sean, but I appreciate you sending it in. Um, let's do this one. Jeff Nellison says, Arsenal have been looking like a proper side with Gabriel Jesus, and they seem to be firing on all cylinders while we seem to take a little bit of time to get into the game. What are your guys' thoughts on how we might match up against them tactically to slow them down? I mean, so just to point out that Jeff sent this in before Arsenal were beaten by <laughs> you, Man U. and you held and you held and you waited for the United game. It was it was inevitable that they would lose. I mean, they, they've they've played muck so far. They were going to come unstuck, um, and I think they'll come unstuck more. They they are so soft centered still. They they have some very pretty attacking players, but there's a real lack of. Um, they need a midfield, basically. There's a they real problem a, there. And a striker. They've got a Gabriel Jesus who gets out and about. He, he causes a bit of fuss. He makes his, that face that he makes. And he's very tricky, but he's not going to score. He's not going to solve their goal-scoring problems. Jesus is not going to score 20 goals this season. It's just impossible. And it's, it's all very nice and pretty. I, I compared him to like a Fabergé egg on, on Twitter. It's all very nice if that's your kind of thing, but it's pointless. You can't make an omelette with it. If you drop it, it's going to break to pieces. And that's it. They got found out. They didn't even play a top team they played a team that kind of just stodged it up and kicked it over the top and they fell apart and that's that's this Arsenal team that's Arteta you saw how he absolutely bottled the big decision he tried to change it and it, it just opened them up more and it, it's over Nathan any thoughts on the tactical matchup with Arsenal us against them mm. head to head mm. 
Okay, well, if you want to go... By the way, I think Gabriel Jesus from Sports 20 goals this season. If you... Um, if you <laughs> he's, he's on one in two so far, so it's going to be tight if he carries on at that rate. Okay. If you uh, if you watch back the United-Arsenal game or highlights or whatever, um, the way United got them was quick counters through the middle yep. uh, and exposing the high line. Yeah. Um, we're, we're a perfect team to exploit them, aren't we? Feels like it. Feels like it. So, 1st of October is when we play them. It's not but, far off. You know, we probably lose at the Emirates because that's kind of what we do at the Emirates. We find a way to lose there. Um, so, mm-hmm. I think it won't be a surprise if we do lose there. And I feel I feel like this the setup is even more suited to playing at the Emirates because they'll 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 be they'll be so confident that the line will be even higher. Um, Maybe they, 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 they will dominate possession. They will they will do what they do. They knock the ball around fantastically. Odegaard is a really really good player, and he helps yeah. them control possession, and they do it incredibly well. But they want to score the perfect goal again. Like I, I was watching that game, I only saw, I was on, I had to take a flight, so I was only watched the first half. And they knock it around. It looks really pretty, and they get in behind, and they get into these positions where they should actually pull the trigger and have a have a shot goal. And they want to play across and then head it back across goal and head it in. And it's it's impractical. It's it's just not. They're not going to do anything if they don't become a little bit more pragmatic. I never thought the extra inch would actually take um, tactical advice from from the IT crowd. The problem with Arsenal is they just always want to pass it, it into the back of the net. It's true. <laughs> that was that was a tired cliche like a, over a decade ago when that show came out, and they're st- they're there again. They're being a parody of themselves. It's it's yeah. all of all of the cliches about Arsenal are completely true again. And yeah. I, it's, I don't know. That's pretty funny. To it, it's hilarious. <laughs> it is absolutely hilarious, and it's really funny because like. Like they they were getting so ahead of themselves, their fans, so ahead of themselves. They'll just give it give it a few games, guys. Relax. I was I was sitting watching the first half in in the bar of a, a very small airport, and there was some, two Arsenal fans in front of me, and we were five minutes into the game, and I'd already sort of lost count of like how many players were such a baller. You know, they were just like give like oh, Saka's such a baller. Yeah, fine. It's five minutes in, mate. Give it a rest. They're just ridiculous people. They're ridiculous. They've gone so overboard on this team, um, and they need to give it half a season and work out what they really are. Because I think I think Arsenal will finish fifth or sixth. Well, the latest talk is um, Fabio Vieira is the real thing, and he's he's going to replace Odegaard. And Arteta's actually set himself up to fail by giving Odegaard the captaincy. That's amazing. That's what, that's what I'm hearing anyway. I mean, I think Odegaard's probably their best player to be honest. I think he's really, really good. Scott Hyde says, would you take Conte playing the kids and the second string to almost throw the league and FA Cups and also do the same in the Champions League so as we finish fourth in the group, so out of Europe, and in return you're guaranteed a third place spot in the league, being one point off top with five games to go. Hmm. This, this, I mean, this... it's, it's, it's a little bit of a silly scenario, but I do like the kind of concept of how do we balance all the competitions this season? I mean, it's not a silly scenario because we had five years of Pochettino doing pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. That We've is actually lived true. This. We've lived this. It upset me then and it would upset me now. And I, I, I think we'll probably um, play the kids in the league in the League Cup and early rounds of FA Cup but we won't do that in the Champions League he will try and get out the group because it's important for the club it's important for progress and everything else plus Conte I don't know if he's ever been out of the group stage in the Champions League maybe once mm. 
So um, I think it's important to... And if we don't qualify from this group, then it's just... What's the point in qualifying for the Champions League anyway? We might as well just, just not do it. Well, it's money, isn't it? It's not... You, you, you sort of don't qualify to be in the Champions League anymore. You qualify to have the money from being in the Champions League so you can strengthen. As, as sad as it is, that's the reality. Um, I mean, I think... I think to balance the Premier League and Champions League, he's really going to have to be a lot more open to a rotation than he's shown so far, particularly in the front three. I mean, I say that having just watched him play Richarlison instead of Kulusevski. But Son and Kane can't play every minute of every game. It's They've got to get their rests in. Uh, and I think they will in the, in the FA Cup and the League Cup. I think that's completely reasonable. Although having said that, probably haven't got enough players to rest them both at the same time. Well, he took Kane off, which was... Um... It very strange because I thought Kane probably would have scored a second and a third in that match, but we were two mm. new up and he rested him, and we've not seen that from from Conte ever. I don't think he's ever I rested like Kane. Yeah, I didn't because I triple captained him. That was all. <laughs> uh, League Cup wise, I'm happy for us to play. You know, Brian Hill, Papi Matasar, Alfie Devine, Niall John. Get you know, depending on the draw, we can't do that against a Premier League team, obviously. But if we play a lower league team, then just absolutely go go full on rotation couple of key players in there to keep it solid enough and, and, and a couple on the bench but yeah rotate and to be honest I'm fine with doing that in the FA Cup as well if we get a, if we get a nice draw but I think Champions League he really needs to manage the squad carefully in the sense that there will be rotation in both the league and the Champions League uh, and just try and keep players as fit as possible and we've got we've got really nice depth we've got really nice depth in midfield we've got really nice depth at wing back We've got depth on the left side of defence. We've got Richarlison. We just have an issue with Romero, I think. Um, Romero and Kane and Son are the the three that he's going to have to be very... He's really going to have to make sure that he does manage their minutes because we can't do without them. If they get injured as a result of burnout, it will be a disaster. Any other thoughts, Nathan? I think that we have deliberately gone about building our squad for competing in Premier League and Champions League. I think that was the intention. I think that's why we have four or five central midfielders in the squad. Um, I don't know. I've been looking into the Conte Champions League thing, and especially with the group that we have. I, I think we can go for it. I think we can go for it. I would also choose to withdraw from both domestic cups mm. <laughs> quite happily and I know that's not not the cards you know what I mean um but I think I think we can go for it in both competitions I want to see us go for it because I think that like realistically look at Manchester City are we going to yeah. contend for the title with Manchester City this season it seems very very unlikely right it seems very unlikely whereas are we scared about not getting top four this season are you looking over your shoulder at United and Arsenal nope you looking over your shoulder at Chelsea too much? Not really. So I think that the top four is likely. That first, that winning <laughs> the the whole Premier League is unlikely. We kind of know where we're headed, most likely. Therefore, let's let's make a run of it in the Champions League. Mm, I love it. I'm all for it. I'm I'm always positive, and this kind of enthusiasm does scare me a little bit. <laughs> no need to be scared, Bardi. We've got a we've got a really good team, really good squad, and most importantly, a really good manager. We're gonna have a good year. You have been listening to the Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Bardi, and our tactics guy, Nathan. If you like this, there's plenty more at Patreon.com/forward/slash/the Extra Inch. 
Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork, and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindemer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindemer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.